You're listening to Sports Content Strategy with Mr. Richard Clark. Within 10 weeks after his signing, Juventus gained 10 million more followers on their social platforms. The engagement rates were astronomical high and it just sort of proved that without a media budget and with just the right player signing, you become a global power. I mean, those numbers, no sponsors will pay. I mean, to be brutally honest, it's nothing against those those uh, products and, 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 and services. I just, I just think they just need to look differently. In five years from now, if we want to watch Barcelona against Manchester United in the European Champions League, we might only pay two, three pounds for to, to watch the match. With the English probably pay five pounds because your, your money deteriorates with Brexit a little bit. Hi, Richard here. At the end of 2017, I did a podcast with Mario Leo. He's my numbers guy, my stats guru. He runs Results Sport in Germany. They work with clubs all over Europe looking at their analytics for social media and digital platforms, etc. Done some work with the players this year as well, which is interesting. We're looking at what happened in 2018 and his predictions for 2019. By the way, if you need consultancy or you want to contact me in the coming year, please go to my website, mrrichardclark.com, or you can find me on social media, Mr. Richard Clark, or my consultancy and my podcast, Sports Content Strategy. Mr. Richard Clark or Sports Content Strategy are the handles there. Anyway, let's talk 2019 and numbers with this man. My name is Mario Leo. I'm the founder and general manager of Result Sports. Um, and Result Sports uh, does focus since 2010 literally and solely in digital media and the digital media evolution in sports. So we work with athletes, clubs, leagues and federations in digital analytics, um, in digital monitoring, in digital insights, um, but also in digital transformation, um, audience segmentation, audience targeting, digital marketing campaigning, um, just a broad variety that digital transformation brings to a, a sports organization. Um, and we've got a yeah, very, very broad um, client base. We work with uh, 30 plus clubs in eight European leagues and um, we're quite satisfied with the evolution so far. So last year, Mario, we did a reflection on 2017, look forward to 2018. I'm I wanted to make this an annual thing, to be honest, because you are my go-to numbers guy. Result Sports very proactive in publicising reach figures. Now you do a lot more than that. You do engagement figures as well, we know, but you you, you publicise your reach figures a lot. And, and last year, you talked about Facebook reach figures were dipping. Uh, Instagram was mushrooming. Twitter was steady. What have we seen this year? Well, we've we've pretty much seen exactly the same than, than than last year actually so so facebook is is sort of on a maintenance uh, mode um looking at at reach and engagement but obviously with with the struggle that it has to be monetized that uh, to to reach the audience and you reach your specific audience you need to um, have a, a media budget allocated um, to to reach those goals um, and we've seen Predominantly on, 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 on Twitter, significant sort of quality improvements. Um, spam accounts, um, inactive profiles are much more clean than, and and um, to, to have the, to have the platform organized um, as as it was before, and I think that helped Twitter quite a lot or quite substantial in that respect. 
and uh, YouTube just announced last week, so in middle of December, that it's gonna have uh, gonna clean its database for the first time ever, and sports organizations can expect a dip of ten to twenty five percent of their subscription or subscriber base. So. That's going to be just interesting to watch. So obviously you see on the social platform sites a, a tremendous amount of effort to get quality um, into their into their um, follower base, into their user base. And that is a, a tremendous um, positive um, evolution. But for me, it also shows that obviously all these platforms try to clean up the database and clean up all the activities to make sure that they are monetizable and uh, digital monetization or, or new revenue streams can land on, on each of those platforms. It's been a bit of a difficult year for social media, particularly Facebook, Cambridge Analytica. And if, if we read the, the newspaper headlines, at least, certain people saying, oh, I'm deleting Facebook, and young people saying, I don't use it anymore. Have you seen any of that filter through in a, uh, that sentiment filter through in a sporting context? We would probably say yes. Um, overall, um, in, in, in very matured markets, uh, I mean, North America, USA, Canada, Central Europe, um, or Western Europe with, with United Kingdom, France, Germany, you definitely see a saturation of Facebook and, and, and not a tremendous growth anymore, because obviously it, it, it has a, a huge amount of user base. I mean, even today, we still have 28 million Germans. Um, on a monthly basis being being active on a five-minute session but obviously the younger uh, generation our children they find that that Facebook is occupied occupied by by the elderly uh, by their parents and even by their grandparents um, so so they 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 look for a different playground um, and and their playground um, at, the, at the moment in time is, is Instagram um, and Instagram is purely mobile, and that sort of with the evolution of the smartphones or with the with the sort of growth and and and, and um, subsidi subsidiaries or subsidized approach of telecommunications companies giving smartphones not free away, but but obviously heavily subsidized away, that uh, that the younger audience is 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 more eager to to use their mobile device, and and obviously we see a tremendous amount of of application improvements uh, and if you look what Facebook's mobile app looks in December 2018 compared to January 2018 it's it's a it's a it's a huge evolution the the um, the, the app or the mobile site has been taken and obviously for Facebook is is that aim to sort of reclaim that back and um, but obviously yeah um, Facebook is growing in 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 in, in greenfield markets, yeah, where they've been weaker in the past, um, they've they've sort of have a tremendous land grab in Africa, huge amount of population and growth in Africa, huge amount of additional access in Asia. But obviously, as I mentioned, or as as we said before, obviously in saturated markets, Facebook needs to uh, does struggle for retention. One of my biggest takeaways from our chat last year was you saying. Instagram 2018-2017 is Facebook 2014-2015. Make hay while the sun shines, but make sure there's a plan on the end of it because you will you will find your organic reach on Instagram curtailed in the next couple of years. Has anything you've seen this year changed that view? And, and if not, when's it going to happen? 
Yeah, not at all. I mean, I, I, I completely stand for, for that statement I made last year. And, and we've seen, obviously, if you look into the growth, uh, which we're going to release just like in, in about 10 days from, from now yeah, with the global digital benchmark and then the annual growth of, of the, the clubs of the European football leagues, you see that, that Instagram has been tremendously improving um, its user base. And obviously, it's, it's reaching its goals quicker than Facebook because obviously social platforms are so established in societies that that obviously um, the go-to platforms reaching their their sort of user base much easier than it has been five six seven years ago the technology evolution the sort of the fear of of technology adoption goes away in society so instagram is taking that 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 follower base much quicker um so i would i would even calmly or sort of, 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 of positively sort of say that, that it actually can happen next year, around this this time next year, that Instagram sort of starts um, to to shrink down reach um, and obviously tries to aim to, to get a return of their investment um, in in those activities, uh, what, what reach means. But on the other hand, yeah, we shouldn't forget that obviously the Instagram's activities uh, for brands and products is already very active so instagram is already a cash cow um, because there are there are big fashion uh, sports fashion um, companies like adidas nike who use facebook's advertisement who use a facebook shop um, who sort of already sort of are very very monetizing those platforms through influencers and, and and each of the players or lots of the players generate revenue through through advertising brands and products so instagram obviously is is much quicker reaching a, a cash flow positive gateway than than facebook has been um and and obviously that's that's something uh, which we can see on but like i said i think this time next year uh, we see uh, reach shrinks um, on or the organic reach um, shrinking down on in instagram as well where's snapchat in all of this well snapchat for if you look into Central European, I think the the majority of 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 clubs have sort of stalled Snapchat innovations, um, and and if if you I mean both you and me are sort of similar age size. Um, I I call Snapchat sort of the Panini sticker book collection, because the young the young audience is using it um, to to have their their candles or their their sort of. Uh, their collection modes that they it's it's more or less going into a, a direct messenger type evolution because obviously you see that the big media and publishers are not that not that keen spending more on snapchat um, and rather putting putting their eggs in in different baskets yeah that's what i had gleaned as well snapchat was becoming more more used for messenger rather than content. Now, anyway, I, I, I asked you to do a little bit of homework ahead of this and identify some trends going forward. So I want to dig into those. And the first one was with regard to players. You talked about players becoming um, entertainment, uh, more more entertaining in their content and media centric. And of course, it's been an interesting trend this year with players tribune not only becoming front and centre with their content but uh, in acquisition mode as well Dugout I've got players on board Otro's just come out as well so what's your point with regard to players and uh, and the, the role that they'll take in this in this sports digital landscape in 2019? 
it's definitely going to become more influential and, and obviously the players um, and, and the agencies or, or their agents um, have their have their own agenda um, and obviously the players tribune is, 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 a, is a, or draw are, are very interesting approaches um, to the to the audience but obviously it's the the society or let's say the population on the social platforms should not be uh, disregarded because obviously they have a very very high um, retention, a very, very high recurring user base um, who are very active on those platforms. And obviously the value of these additional platforms, Duckout um, including, obviously needs to be so specific, so exclusive in terms of content um, and it shouldn't be shown on other social platforms that, that it is sort of teasing the audience to these new sites. Um, and, and I and I always sort of kind of struggled. I love Dugout a lot. I love the, the approach that it's sort of building a, a counterweight to existing social platforms. But it doesn't help Dugout if, if they get exclusive content and after 36, 48 hours, that content which was exclusive yesterday is moving onto social platforms distributed by clubs. And yes, it has a Dugout um, CI patch um, or logo on it. But, but it's still using on Facebook and, and on, on Instagram, which is a sign for us, obviously, that the reach and engagement they have on the dugout website is not sufficient. So therefore, they sort of use those um, um, exclusive rights, timeouts, um, and, and then put it then on other platforms because the content is usually great. So coming back to the players, the players have so far been constantly in their, in their let's say, comfort zone. They've, they've shown practice sessions, they've shown practice pictures, they've shown um, playing, playing um, extracts of videos if they scored a tremendous nice goal or they just sort of shown a picture from, from the venue or the pitch. Um, and that's, I, we call it, or I call it, that's being remaining in their, in their comfort zone. But <clears throat> I believe um, Juventus have shown that just a fortnight ago that, that the Juventus night of, of Brooklyn Nets versus New Jersey Knicks, yeah, that Juventus goes into the NBA um, to attract the new client base, to obviously offer that uh, and to show that Juventus plays basketball in the Italian leagues, so that it's a club much more than, than pitch side or just football, um, that the players do exactly those. So we see friendships of, of hockey players with football players, they, they sort of line up, they're making something funny, entertaining to the audience and post it, and it gets viral. Um, so th therefore we predict for 2019 that the players not only become sort of more versatile and, and, and more approachable on social media, but we believe that it's becoming much more entertaining because the players understand that the entertainment factor of social media and social engagement is is the key uh, where many media departments in sports organizations in lower divisions uh, and in other sports still believe that social platforms are just news distribution platforms um, and they completely even it's nine years old or ten years old now they still don't understand that it's about dialogue that it's about entertainment and and it's about catching the eyes of, of the people and catching the attention of the people. Um, and, and our kids, I think yours are sort of around the tens, uh, mine are also around the tens. If they if, if they can use smartphone at their time, sort of half an hour, 45 minutes a day, obviously their attention is grabbed within the first 10, 15 seconds of the content which is produced. And, and they probably give another five seconds of sort of add-on time, stoppage time, 
But if then the video or the content piece is not satisfying for them, they look out for the next piece of content. So the attention span is is dramatically going down if there's no entertainment. Um, And that's something players can really overcome because they are the lighthouses, they are sort of the ambassadors, they are the cool guys who made it into the big world of sports and therefore many youngsters who have the passion for this sport obviously follow their stars. A few things I want to pick out of that. Firstly, if you can keep your kids down to 45 minutes on their phone a day, then you're a considerably better parent than I am. Um, (laughs) Secondly, um, yeah, I mean, it always struck me that clubs have have commercial departments that are uh, selling sponsorships, which are are very much digitally based, in, yeah, in my time have, have moved much more towards being digitally based and yet a player that will have potentially more uh, reach than that club will have one or two people as opposed to uh, a bigger a, a fully fledged commercial department um, but but thirdly I wanted to talk about you mentioned Juventus and Ronaldo because that was the big the big transfer of of 2018 I would argue and certainly the biggest one vis-a-vis social media so looking back on that three or four months hence what did we learn from that what did we see well initially obviously with uh, I I would even go a year further back where Neymar sort of um, left Barcelona and went to PSG because obviously his ambition is to become the world's best footballer um, and if you're not the best footballer at your own club, you have to leave uh, the club to to look for your f- fortune somewhere else. Um, and Neymar obviously has pre- tremendous amount of impact to Ligue 1, which was a very language um, uh, language driven league. Yeah, where it was in Northern Africa, in pockets of Western Africa, that's where the French league was very relevant. And therefore, you see most of those, let's say, exports or imports in the Ligue 1 are from these parts of the world. Um, and obviously what Neymar has, has managed is to get this league onto onto the global map into the top five leagues. And, and if you look into KPMG bookmarks, uh, benchmarks and Deloitte and all those, you can see the proof that obviously others like Olympique Marseille, Olympique Lyon, even to an extent AS Monaco, but obviously their loss of players or their drainage of players has been so impacting that, that this season's performance is, is of huge uh, concern. But obviously... Those four teams are now also becoming um, globally attracted sports clubs with an international following. Um, and that obviously has has brought a, a new view or a new angle to view to a Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi or Andres Iniesta. Um, because everybody expected Andres Iniesta retire in Barcelona and not move to, to Japan. But obviously these players, they like to see new cultures. They like to win trophies as many as possible and in as many different countries as possible because that makes them legends. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo obviously won um, the English Premier League. Um, He won um, the Spanish League. He won obviously club titles, the World Club title. He's been the player of the year for many years. And obviously at some extent, it's just like in in our normal working life yeah if you do that for five six years if things become a routine if you're not challenged anymore if you're not sort of proven yourself obviously you look into your desire becomes bigger to look for new new areas and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo sort of 
had that attraction to win as many trophies in as many different countries as, uh, as possible. And obviously, yeah, with Serie A, um, and obviously this, the, the sort of the the, um, the the gaining, let's say, impact and, and the revival of, of Serie A um, in terms of, of commercial power um, is, is very interesting because you could see that Juventus um, with, with obviously a... Um, say a, a much better marketing and a much better global strategy because obviously they have they've won everything in Italy they've they've have the best possible sponsors in Italy and, and they go beyond in their sponsorships and obviously tackle global sponsors like Jeep and, and others um, to attract obviously and to um, um, enable the next step of the evolution and obviously, then it's say the the old lady, which is Juventus sort of name or the Grand Arm, um, obviously was very attracted when when Cristiano Ronaldo indicated that that he's he's willing uh, for for a transfer and he's looking for a new adventure. And obviously, it was really, I would say, to be perfectly honest, it was it was a match made in heaven um, because Cristiano Ronaldo comes into a team which is super, superior. Um, in Italy, so uh, it's very, very likely at the beginning of the season that if if things not go completely wrong and shambles, um, that that um, that the Juventus will will regain their title uh, in the Serie A. They also aim, obviously, to win the Coppa Italia, which would be the second title. And obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo played them a lot in the past years in finals or semi-finals, and he knew that they are a tough, tough rival to beat. And obviously, if Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus win the Champions League this season, obviously that is something immediately associated with Cristiano Ronaldo's impact. Um, and, and that is obviously something for him that it's much more than, than legendary. Uh, this is an achievement which no other player has done before, and he would do it. So, obviously, those things are, are incredible. And if you look into the social power, I mean, you know, we work very closely with Juventus. We released jointly with Juventus the Cristiano Ronaldo impact in, in August, uh, sorry, in early September from July and August. So within 10 weeks after his signing, Juventus gained 10 million more followers on their social platforms. The engagement rates were astronomical high um, and it just sort of proved that, that without a media budget and with just the right player signing, um, you, you have tremendous success you become a global power and obviously that strives Juventus because now obviously they they only compete with Man United Real Madrid Barcelona and maybe a tiny little bit of FC Bayern for brands which are globally active and and want a global sponsorship with with one of those three clubs or four clubs plus Bayern the fifth club so obviously that that enables a sporting organization than Juventus on the commercial side to really make two or three steps in a matter of 12 months and again it shows other stars that yeah, sticking to your old club with the same routines with the same coaching is not it's not the best possible way and, and, and sort of getting a new impulse or a new catalyst for your career is, is really helping a lot and it's a win-win just moving on to your next trend, staying with players to a certain extent, you talked about media departments becoming acting as agencies really vis-a-vis -vis the sponsor demands and the player demands. Now we've seen this for a few years but I think what you're saying is this is going to accelerate and move down from the bigger clubs to to, to be more widespread amongst the, the medium-sized club. Is that, is that fair to say? 
Yeah, that's very fair to say because obviously you have in Europe about 12, 13 innovative clubs yeah, which, which lead the trend tremendously where obviously Barcelona, again Real Madrid, Man United, Liverpool, uh, Bayern, PSG and Juventus sort of having that agency department inside the organization as a service department already sort of really taken by heart um, and really turn around that. And, and obviously other clubs like, like Spurs, um, like Dortmund, like Schalke, uh, like Olympique Marseille or Lyon, who are sort of the, the, the challengers of, of the sort of the favorites to win the title. They have, they're looking in those saying, what have these done differently on the pitch, but also off the pitch in, in, inside the organization? And a classical organization is just, is just the way it's set up um, is, is, is irritating because merchandising department earns money because they sell merch. Ticketing department earns money because they, they sell tickets. Um, the football team earns money because it's TV money if they play successful football. And then obviously you have other departments like marketing and sales who earn money through sponsorships. And then where digital resides is in the media department and the media department is the only cost center. Um, and therefore it's, it's, it's so challenging for, for them to uh, pursue sort of um, um, headcount increase to professionalize and get better hardware or better software to deliver better content. It's like a vicious circle negatively. And obviously that, that amount is changing because you see now digital formats being offered, digital sponsorships come out, and the media departments generate revenue by, by having a digital media catalog or format catalog which they generate or which they sell to partners and sponsors. So with that, obviously, that helps a tremendous amount in terms of, uh, in terms of activation. And what they also learned, and that's... And that's and that, and that we still see it also at the innovative clubs. If you work with a big partner or sponsor, let's name um, Qatar Airways, for example, yeah, who's, who's been shirt sponsor at AS Roma or, or Emirates, who, who is shirt sponsor, they usually have their lead agencies um, to help. They, these lead, lead agencies' role is obviously to activate the fans and activate cost per mill, activate advertisement, um, activate reach. But very often these these lead agencies have no really no clue at all how a sports organization and how passionate and how emotional football or sports is in general so if if the, the media department in a sports organization becomes a service agency and be, and becoming a lead agency for the sponsors the club has signed to help really those organizations um, helping the sponsors to really activate, to really understand how to engage and how to activate its fan base, its loyal supporters, and even the ultras, which are very hard to commercialize. Obviously, that that translation can only be provided out of the media departments, and therefore that's the approach. I mean, the, the service agency within the organization that the media department provides content to players, that it provides and, and creates content for other departments, that has already being com concluded in the majority of, of um, all the leading clubs and sort of the challengers or the followers clubs. But what we see is obviously that bigger sponsors should rely on the media department's knowledge of its fan base and, and the audience. To That's why it's the, the service agency really to become the lead agency and the activator for bigger sponsorship deals. That's what it's meant with, with this um, wording. Yeah, that's... <laughs> For that to happen in the in the way you describe, then the 
media departments are redefining their own jobs. They're, 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 yeah, I mean, the classical journalist, um, and it's very yeah. hard to say, but the classical journalist is really sort of a dying outbreed in, in media departments because yeah. obviously you need brand activation, you need customer success managers, you need to have analysts who understand sort of which segment do I bring this product to? Because obviously, if you want, if if a car manufacturer wants to activate or wants to reach an audience, obviously it doesn't make sense to uh, to to ping out to an audience or to a person who just bought a car uh, and share that on social. And basically, obviously, that data mining is becoming really um, even more critical. And and we say it's creative data. You need your data. Your data need to be creative in the output and in the use of doing it. It's just not simply not enough to have reach or follower number or other things. Um, and just a little story. I mean, KPMG yesterday on the benchmark on LinkedIn, they posted that obviously Dortmund is a big rival of FC Bayern and with, with nine-point clearance of Bayern, they look like to succeed Bayern. Yes, but it's only a timestamp because we're in December, we're ahead of Christmas and it's a ni- you know a nine-point difference doesn't mean anything if you don't win your next three games and your competitor wins the next three games. So I think data is nice because it shows a lot, but creative data needs to be used and needs to be implemented when when it's when it's there and in, in specific scenarios and that's another of your points that you talked about data becoming a force that was your third trend which yet again it's something we've seen but what you're saying is it's spreading in this particular instance and for this particular year it's going to spread across all departments be centralized be broader as well so it's it's going to start in a central place and spread more broadly. Is that is that what you're saying? And and yet again, is it the fact that this is happening amongst the the the, the top clubs, but the 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 middle ranking clubs are going to take this on much more? Uh, yes, that's that's what I, I completely agree with what you're saying. That that sort of enhances what what I meant with with writing the the sort of the the statements out there because obviously um, clubs need to prepare what is what's going to happen in the next three, four, five years. It's a strategic evolution. Um, and here I sort of want to make just a statement because in, in all European countries, we, we learn about the, the football leagues. We learn about how bad these bigger leading teams are um, in, in terms of creating their own league and, and, and abandon all the other past and traditions. I think that's, that's a media myth uh, which is coming out there because every football club in European competition know that in five years from today linear TV cannot afford to, to broadcast the best possible football out there because they don't have the commercial power anymore because they are subsidized by the Netflix and the Amazon Primes and by all the others. So obviously for the majority of large football clubs that means 30% of their annual revenue falls away within five years from today. So if you would be in the strategic department of a football club and not think ideas of how to recover 30% of your club's revenue to maintain the players you have, to maintain the staff you have, to maintain the departments you have, I think that it's cynical not to do. And therefore, I think it's it's just a, a media push of course, to highlight everything, to show their quality journalism, but they only look at one angle. 
which is the angle of fear, fear for the audience. And I think um, a very strong OTT platform and OTT offering will be significantly benefiting the audience of fans because I predict that in five years from now, if we want to watch um, Barcelona against Manchester United in the European Champions League, we might only pay two, three pounds for to, to watch the match. Uh, probably with the English probably pay five pounds because your your money deteriorates with Brexit a little bit, but the <laughs> Europeans they probably pay two euro fifty, um, because obviously today the value chain is very long because you have the the, the 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 competition you have the brand they need to activate it then you have the the marketeers like Lagardea in front in the middle who wants to earn twenty thirty percent revenue, then you have obviously the, the TV audience who wants to sort of monetize it. So the value chain is very long, and obviously in future, I, we, I believe with OTT and all the others, the value chain will be very short. Um, and you see what's happening with Napoli and Amazon Shop and Bayern with Amazon Shop. The value chain shrinks because they, they have a shop inside the Amazon store. The Amazon delivery truck comes to FC Bayern Street. They will pick up 5,000 shirts, and, they, and Amazon makes the fulfillment worldwide. The logistics is very easy. Just imagine, I mean, you've been at Arsenal a very long time. The logistics to, to get a shirt to Indonesia three years ago was a nightmare because you needed a logistics partner. You needed to ensure, you needed an insurance that the product really arrives uh, because you already got the money from the, from the buyer. So, so the margin was very, very low. And obviously, in future, we believe because football is is a, a, a global audience now. It's not league driven anymore or regional driven, and therefore, obviously, there will be to the target audience significant benefits. But you need the data to to understand what markets do evolve. You have to today it, for a, for a club, it shouldn't be just an internationalization for the internationalization sake. They should identify. Which, which markets are interesting, where's my community today, which of them do I reach, how many of them I reach are activating with me or are engaging with me, and how do I get more of them engaged in those countries? Is it, is it player dependent? Is the player the ambassador of my club crest that the person engages with me? And you only can resolve this if you have your data mining clear with the highest and best possible quality, and that's what we do. Um, and that counts for obviously the merchandising, the marketing and ticket, uh, marketing and, and sponsorship departments, the media department, and obviously the ticketing department. They need to know um, how how do I get Richard Clark and Mario Leo? They they come to two games a year, but how do I get them to four, four games a year? What attracts them when they come? Is it just the opponent? Is it is it the time of the year they're coming? Are they only coming Boxing Day and then New Year's Eve Day because that's the time the family sort of gives them free? So so with, without that knowledge and that's only data knowledge, um, you don't know how to attract the audience to come back um, on ticketing side. Staying with the monetization, because that was another of your points, D digital monetization will expand, but in a certain way, you're saying brands and products can use their organizational digital assets to emotionalize and make a passion offering because they've been selling on reach thus far. Just expand on what you mean by that. You see, yes, very happy to do so. You see many, many of, of the sort of evaluation tools, the Blinkfires, the, the, uh, the Nielsens, they always put out the reach um, and, and it's a an, an, an huge number, uh, an extraordinary high number. 
Um, and that obviously puts away some of the sponsors which are attracted to advertise on digital channels. And, and therefore, it's critical that you consider the image of the sponsor, what he wants to achieve. Um, and we've done so. We've, we've done like one, one team um, in Europe. We obviously have a, a team lineup sold in, in multiple different countries. And, and what, in one of those countries is Singapore. And in Singapore, the content sponsor is the, the broadcaster who exclusively one hour before the game announces the team lineup and, and makes advertisement to his, his product or to his broadcast, which is in, in an hour from the time. So he gets a unique content, exclusive content. Um, ahead of, let's say, the, the, the exclusive window is probably only five to six minutes, but it allows him to have an image transfer that he is the one who sort of, that he's the go-to to get the latest information, to be, the, to be the, the key person. And obviously for a broadcaster, to have exclusive information is a huge value and a huge image boost. And the same, the same team lineup then in Thailand is presented by um, a betting partner. And the betting partner the whole morning advertises his product that, that who is going to be the starting 11. Will this player be in? Will the other player be out? And obviously he have an, an entire morning to sort of exclusively bring his image and his, his knowledge of the game and of the team to sort of calculate or sort of predict the, the team lineup, which is then announced an hour before the game. So selling reach is, is I think, uh, a very, very astronomy, uh, astro uh, uh, very high, obviously, uh, astronomically high uh, value. Um, and you see those. Yeah, when you see the evaluations that, I don't know, a LeBron James uh, video has reached 27 million, and 27 million is an equivalent to 15 million advertisement value. I mean, those numbers, no sponsors will pay. I mean, to be brutally honest, it's nothing against those those. Uh, products and, and 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 services, I just I just think they just need to look differently um, into into the areas. They need they need to look differently in how to sort of distribute and circulate their numbers because they're doing the same than media departments. It's just selling uh, populistic headlines. It's selling overestimated numbers, which in reality are not achieved. And I think what digital transformation really requires is to 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 remain transparent, to remain high quality, to remain pragmatic. Um, and those things will will improve and, and foster digital transformation and will not make another fear or another uh, uncertainty around. So you talk a lot about transformational change, digital transformation and change management. And those are kind of two of your points. Basically, Digital transformation has to happen now or die, and people have to manage this change um, from director level down. All the staff need to be on board, and this needs, needs to happen quickly and be united and planned and strategic. Is that what you're saying? Because that's, in my experience, that last bit is quite hard to do sometimes. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah, and, and obviously um, you see... What, what 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 these points actually say is, and, and it explains why sporting departments sort of have become a little bit independent compared to all the other departments in a sports club. Because obviously the sporting departments with the analytics, with the player performance and all those, they needed to make that 
di that shift to digital, to science, to analytics, to monitoring, to measuring, much more quicker because obviously they need to, they need to, in order to be on the pitch competitively, they need to understand if that player can practice today uh, a long run, some sprints, more passing. Because if I if I if I use the same common uh, training session for all the 28 or 30 squad members, obviously one player gets a, a pulls and hamstring, uh, another player gets gets a, gets a sore muscle, um, and they will be out playing the coming weekend. So obviously the sporting departments have through technology and through digital te uh, um, transformation and the adoption of technology have become now a functioning room that the 11 players or the 14 players on the pitch are the best possible to, to face the opponent. Um, and obviously that what it means is to remain competitive yeah? because obviously you need to have, yeah, if today is enough to, to, to tell a sponsor saying I can reach 100,000 people in Stuttgart if it's Mercedes and, and which is based in Stuttgart and they want to make a, let's say, a, they, want, they want to make a campaign for their, for their home region. But in, in a year from now, obviously, Mercedes wants to know which household is driving in a Mercedes uh, and which household is not and which household could I convert from a BMW or a Volkswagen or Audi to be a Mercedes just because of patriotism and just because living in Stuttgart, which is a Mercedes city. So that digital transformation needs the functioning and effective CRM. Um, and as I mentioned, the role of social is not distributing news, is the first level of engagement. And we see those level of engagements becoming not general anymore, they become more personal. That's why WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and all the other tools are, are quickly adopted by clubs. But what we also see, that there's a lot of actionism um, on, on the club side to sort of have on, on their headline saying we are an innovative club because we use the latest tool sets given by those platforms. And what we say is that all these, uh, or what I'm saying is all these things, if they are not structured, it's just a huge amount of, of resource doubling. Um, it's a huge amount of, of act, act, activities doubling because obviously a merchandising guy and the ticketing guy, they fight for the same audience. Just one guy wants the, the audience to be every other week in the stadium, and the other guy wants to that, that uh, the, the target audience buys as many goods as possible. So if they don't line up together, if they don't have a strategic plan and what is the best time to sell one product or the other, um, then and obviously that's not happening. And that, that change management, what I'm saying, needs... Uh, a steering committee and that steering committee ideally is obviously coming from the CEO or the board of directors um, and they are heavily involved because every change management process in every organization, in every single industry which we're talking on wins and succeeds if the people beneath and the staff and the members know what's happening and how it affects them and if it's affect them in a positive way that they're becoming more effective that the workflow is easier that everything is aligned that they understand why the organization is going more digital why these transformation processes need to come in why a centralized CRM is, is so crucial for succeed in the future then obviously the people understand the worst thing you can have is an unknown accountant or an un unknown uh, legal um, 
person in the organization, which then sort of goes to on, on corridor movements and talk, oh, I don't like this, what's going to happen, and I don't like that. And obviously, because of unknow unknowing things and unknowing processes, these, these floor corridors obviously unsettle the people, and unsettlement is the worst thing in a change management process. Yeah, it's um, doing away with silos, isn't it? And uh, yep. and people batting for their own agenda and it's a full matrix. It's, it's yeah. people need to come away from silos. Digital means there's no silo, and digital means it's a constant evolution, and digital means it's it's a it's it's constant change or adopting to change. The world around us, and you and me probably, as sort of being a little bit more older generation, that we know that it seems like that. Time is becoming of more essence. Everything goes faster. The change around us goes much more frequent than it has a year or two years ago. But nothing really changed. It's just that our mindset really is is more interested to witness what's going on. And therefore, the time seems to fly by much quicker. Um, and, it's, and that's how we also have to tell our kids. It's scientifically proven that the, the people born in the, in the ages or 1965 to 1975, the brain only pushed out 40 to 50 dopamine, which is the one which he pushes out when when something interests you. So 40 to 50 times at that at that at that time, yeah, in the early 70s um, or sorry, early 80s when we were growing up. Our kids today, the 10 to 15 year old, they have 2,000 dopamine pushes. And their attention span is much shorter. And obviously, we as parents need to help them to prioritize. And 90% of the news or the updates the our kids get is noise, which is not relevant. And we need, as a parents, need to guide our children to, to, to sort of make, 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 help them to understand what is noise, what is important, and what is very important. Yeah, and and small rules and small regulations help them to sort of uh, help them filter the priorities, yeah, the noise from the priorities, and and that's something which many other people need to learn as well. Obviously, that brings me to your last point, which is conscience, ethics, <coughs> the CSR, maybe the fact that some, that that this sport has to mean something. And you talked in in the piece that you wrote for me about quality of journalism and your your and your and what you just described, the fact that people need to have their lives filtered because everything is being thrown at them and it is noise. That's what an editor does. That's what a journalist does. A journalist has a heck of a lot of information. An editor has a lot of stories and what they do is put them in a priority and they tell you what is important and what is not and hopefully they can uh, portray that story in an informative, engaging and entertaining way so it resonates it resonates and that's what you're saying with this last point about the fact that just to quote from what you wrote for me uh, sports uh, sports teams are lighthouses or anchors in people's lives and they need values such as respect uh, tonality social competence um, because it, it has much higher relevance for the audience therefore sports organizations need to identify what they stand for and define their values and that's becoming going to become a lot more important because there's so much stuff out there and everyone is telling us they're great and I think clubs have got a no problem saying that they're great but they've just got to got to back it up with with a, a thousand small messages and the way that they act and the way that they are because <laughs> they've got to show that, that that sport is more than just sport in my opinion yes 
Yeah, it's very true. Uh, it, it's very, very true. And, and just, just getting back at what you initially said, I think that's where the challenge relies. Because that's your understanding of journalism, that quality journalism is making opinions and is giving views and giving angles. And that has changed in European newspapers and publishers and medias tremendously. Because what we observe is that it's a a commercial-driven communication. Uh, Headlines becoming populistic. Uh, Content is becoming partially made up partially only with one angle looked at, and the quality journalism sort of remains on the street because publishers are clickbaiting with headlines, um, are are raising attention and and obviously fear and bad weather and, and I don't know, a nice woman, they sell. Those products do sell their products. And the quality journalism is sort of a little bit left behind, unfortunately, because because of the, the... the revenue streams for medias and publishers are struggling. It has become the way that they are more populistic and possibly more racist. And, and they, 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 they identify themes and topics. Uh, you, you see the sun or for example, in, in the UK or we see German newsletters. They write refugees are problems. Refugees are problems to society. Refugees cannot be integrated. And obviously in sports organizations from, from the small local club up to the professional football club, integration, social integration, race, differences, color, skin, look and feel, disability or not, has never been an issue. On the training ground, we treat everybody the same. It's about socializing. It's about the respect of the sport. It's about the gentleman agreement we have. Yeah, we are we are enemies for the duration of the match. We like each other because we like the sports after the match and before the match. And obviously, we see those pol- political statements much more, or we've witnessed those those political statements um, in in all European countries in 2018 much more. And, and we be- believe that this will be becoming much more happening because uh, every two weeks when there's a home match. The sports clubs, the professional sport clubs, are the lighthouse and the anchor to people's life, uh, and therefore we go there. Not only be, we are entertained with what's happening on the pitch, because we all go there because we like the values the club is for, and that's why we see those brand claims. Yeah, uh, more than a club for FC Barcelona, Mia sein Mia FC Bayern, echte Liebe or true love Borussia Dortmund. Those claims. They need to be strengthened with the value the club lives and the club acts. And therefore, when the club acts, we see political statements um, or statements which are then easily and very often also political statements. And especially with integration, with respect, with compliance, um, with gender equality, that's topics which will become much more crucial in our society's values, in all in the global society's value, um, that that the sports organizations need to understand that this will be a carrying role 2019 and following. People sometimes think that that approach, portraying your ethics, being warm and fluffy, is, is an anathema to commercialization. Do you do you think that's true? It's because it's 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 very often driven the wrong way from my point of view because very often we see that that 
clubs go out in communication saying they're doing a branding exercise. They want to understand, they're doing questionnaires, they're doing market research, they're doing market insights of what they stand for. And out of this, what they stand for, out of these feedbacks and everything, they will then determine a branding steering wheel or a value steering wheel. And I think that that the people understand it the way that most brands are acting like that. Because on social and for sports organization, the first thing you have is an image. And some have an image as winners, some have an image as losers, and some image some some sports organizations have a positive image because they are neither winners or losers, and because they are we have a um, um, a friendship agreement with the fan clubs between the two clubs, so they are very positively liked. Are they? They're not my favorite team, but I like them because our club and our fans to have a, an alliance with those fans. So obviously, the the soft skills I would call them, yeah, the, the image, passion, emotions—they are all soft skills. They should they should be much more considered and and should be much more sort of calmly integrated first and 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 with and that can be done obviously by more by better analyzing your content by analyzing which tonality reaches the audience uh, better engagement and all those things they need to be really factored in and not being let's say um, a modern kind of uh, brand uh, identif- identification process to see what we stand for because people can't do anything with it because they are fans of the clubs. And if you're a fan of the club, you don't want to do a artificial brand development because you you have already the values and you have an image to for them why you like them or why they like you. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, just lastly, we did this this time last year and hopefully we'll do it this time next year. Um, where will we be next year? I mean, you've made some some thoughts and predictions, but anything else, anything uh, uh, smaller, because they're six six or seven broad things, anything smaller, any other small predictions over a platform, a team, a player that is going to explode, that is going to... Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we, we see Alphabet as, as the mother and parent company of, of Google uh, withdrawing Google Plus in August 2019. And obviously, YouTube is just a platform to consume videos. It's not a very engaging or interactive platform. So one prediction will be that Google, within within the second or third quarter, will sort of release a new platform, which will sort of be a Google++ kind of uh, thought or a new platform to remain relevant in the target audience of the fans, because that's something I think must happen for Alphabet and Google in the sports community. Fantastic. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else you think will happen? I, I think there will be, I think Twitter might be sold. And, and, and one idea could be that Google might, might buy Twitter and, and pimp it up a bit and, and be then a rival to it. Um, but I wouldn't, that those are sort of unspoken words. And, and uh, but a lot more, I think, like I said, I, I think, the digital transformation and without a digital transformation, that will be very clear to all roads. That's sort of, for me, really the, the, the standing out point. Um, and therefore, change management is all subsequent. Everything else is just subsequent of, of the ultimate drive. Thanks very much, Mario Leo. I'll speak to you in a year, I hope. I'm very, much, I'm very open for it. I very much look forward. Hopefully, it doesn't take long for us to reconnect. Uh, but having that podcast in a year, I would be very happy and very honored to be part of it. 
Please follow at Sports Content Strategy on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, it's Sports Content SP. Richard is at Mr. Richard Clark on all social media. Read his blog and sign up for his newsletter at MrRichardClark.com. 